Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 652. Well, here are some pretty cool bird names. Mindanao Bleeding Heart. Diabolical Nightjar. Melancholy Woodpecker. Probably most of us have never seen any of these birds, or maybe even heard of them, but that's okay because Noah Stricker has seen them for us, along with several thousand other species that he observed and or listened to during his incredible record-breaking global big year. He has described that adventure for us in delicious detail in his new book called Birding Without Borders, An Obsession, A Quest, and the Biggest Year in the World. And he'll tell us about it here this morning. Meanwhile, up north in Alberta, Canada, our Charlotte Wasilik is about to give us a preview of one of the best ways to see some birds beyond your backyard in the very near future. It's the Christmas bird count. Alberta bound, Alberta bound. It's good to be Alberta bound. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning, Ray. Christmas bird count season is right around the corner and these counts are a great way to get into birding. You can find count circles in your area by visiting audubon.org cbc or in Canada at the Bird Studies Canada website under the Citizen Science tab. And just for kids, Bird Studies Canada is hosting and co-hosting many Christmas Bird Count for Kids events across Canada, including Port Rowan, Ontario, Vancouver, BC, Toronto, Ontario, and Sackville, New Brunswick. There are many other counts hosted by nature clubs and societies across the country, and you can find them on the Bird Studies Canada website, and I'll also post a link to my Facebook page, which is at Prairie Birder. The iOS version of the eBird app made a big announcement last week. Every time you start a checklist on eBird Mobile, you can now keep a GPS track of where you go for your traveling counts. The tracking automatically calculates the distance traveled and your time spent eBirding. Download the app today or open the app to start the update. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time and happy Thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates it. Thanks, Charlotte. We'll look for you online at prairiebirder.com. That's prairiebirder.com. That is the sound of a whole flock of mystery birds. And this is a preview of our mystery bird contest. Coming along a little bit later in the show, we want you to be ready to call in. We have a couple of beautiful prizes this morning. The Droll Yankees Window Mount Songbird Feeder. Everybody loves this here feeder. Droll Yankees Window Mount Songbird Feeder. You can see the birds right up close with no obstruction. Plus a bonus prize from our friends at Audubon Park. It's Audubon Park Seed Cakes, four-pack and four assorted flavors. Fruit and nut and woodpecker and mealworm and wild bird food 
So, those are our prizes, and that's the sound of our mystery bird. A couple of clues here. Our mystery bird is a large waterfowl species that was until recently thought to be a smaller version of a very common bird that we all know. It has a black head, a small triangular bill, a long black neck with a white chin strap, a brownish back with tan-colored breast feathers, and a white undertail. Our bird feeds on many plant species, including grasses and sedges and grain and berries. A little preview there of our upcoming mystery bird contest, which we'll conduct a little bit later in the show. Meanwhile, we're excited to be able to say thanks this week to four new Talking Birds ambassadors, including Ellen Blackstone from Seattle, Washington. Ellen is a writer as well as a photo and web editor and associate producer for the wonderful syndicated public radio show, website, and podcast, Bird Note. Find out about them at birdnote.org. And thank you, Ellen. Thank you, Michael Waddell from right here in Marshfield, Massachusetts, who says, I build birdhouses and bird feeders. Yes, he does, and we'll put some pictures of them on our Talking Birds Facebook page. They are beautiful. And if you happen to be on the south shore of Massachusetts... You can check out Michael's birdhouses at the Marshfield Farmer's Market on Saturday, December 16th at the Marshfield Fairgrounds, 10 to 2. Or check out his website. It's foobiewoobie.com. Yes, it's spelled just the way it sounds, foobiewoobie.com. Thanks to Maisie, who's also here in Marshfield. She says, I am seven years old and my father teaches me about birds. Thank you, Maisie. And you just tied with our friend Elias in New York City as our youngest Talking Birds ambassador. And thank you to Billy Reiter Marolf from New Albany, Iowa. Billy says, I'm a wildlife biologist at the Upper Mississippi River National Wildlife and Fish Refuge, and I've been enjoying your show for several years. Thanks, Talking Birds, for your dedication to bird education and conservation. Well, thank you, Billy, for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador and for your important work along the mighty Mississippi, up at the refuge which covers parts of Iowa as well as Illinois and Wisconsin and Minnesota. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Billy and Ellen and Michael and Maisie in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program and let us send you some info cards that you can hand out to your friends and associates to spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. Easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Till to come on our show today, superstar birder Noah Stricker will be with us to tell us about his amazing global big year and about his book that chronicles the experience birding without borders. He'll be here with us in a few minutes when he joins us as this morning's special guest. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor from the Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod in our Let's Ask Mike segment to hear about snowy owls and how they may be making another big incursion this year down into southern Canada and the U.S. lower 48. Plus, great stuff in our mystery bird contest. Meanwhile, we learned some things about the wild turkey here last week. This week, we'll zoom in on the water turkey, as today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Hello, welcome to our clinic. Your name? It's Anne. Yes, and your last name, Anne? Kinga. Hmm, sounds Finnish. Oh, I love things with fins. Any nicknames? Yeah, water turkey. Oh, I see. My friends also call me. Uh, uh, no, no, that that's fine. 
What's the problem, Anne? Well, Doctor, whenever I go swimming, I... I sink. Just my head and neck stays above water. Hmm. Let me take a quick x-ray. Oh, dear. What is it, Doctor? Well, Anne Hinga, I'm afraid you have... no oil glands. The Anhinga, a strange bird of the southern swamps, nicknamed the water turkey. Water because it swims, and turkey because of its broad tail. Also nicknamed snake bird because of the way its head and neck stick out of the water like a snake when it swims. That's because its feathers get waterlogged without those oil glands. But that's okay because it lets the Anhinga swim underwater, chasing fish. The Anhinga has a nearly all-black body in the male, brown head and neck in the female, with a long, thin neck and pointed bill, and a wingspan of nearly three and a half feet. And it offers an amazing contrast to its snake-like swimming habits when you then see it after it dries its wings in the sun, soaring high in the sky, flying with remarkable grace for long distances without so much as a single wing flap. Here's the rattly sound of the Anhinga. Today's Talkin' Birds, strange and beautiful featured feathered friend, the water turkey, the snake bird, the Anhinga. Welcome again to our show, number 600 and... Um, what number is it? Uh, I have it here somewhere. 652. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you very much. <laughs> number 652. Hope you'll follow us on our website, TalkinBirds.com, and on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. Noah Stricker is the associate editor of the American Birding Association's Birding Magazine. He's also an adventurer, birding superstar, and author of several books, and his latest entitled Birding Without Borders, an obsession, a quest, and the biggest year in the world describes the extraordinary achievement suggested in that title. And he's with us on the phone right now from his home in Oregon to tell us a bit about it. Good morning, Noah. Hi, good morning. Great to have you with us, Noah. And let me start with this. It says in your book that in exactly 12 months you spotted 6,042 bird species. Can you confirm that this is not a misprint? This is correct. That's about 60% of all the birds in the world. Wow. 60% of all the birds in the world. That number keeps fluctuating, I guess, doesn't it, in terms of how many species there really are? Yeah, scientists these days are kind of redefining what our idea of a species is. So mm. it has been going up by about 1% per year. I guess I can <laughs> sit in my armchair now and tick off all these new birds as they're newly minted. <laughs> wow, how to keep up. Well, a big year is inherently about competition, but when you broke the previous record of 4,341 species, that wasn't the biggest deal to you, right? Because you had your own internal number in mind. Yeah, when I set out on this trip, I thought it would be cool to get to 5,000 in one year, kind of a nice round number, just about half the birds in the world. Mm -hmm. I didn't really see this trip as trying to beat 
something that somebody else had done or accomplished, you know, more of a personal quest. Well, you talk a lot about that in the book anyway, the idea of, uh, of satisfaction coming from something that you decide on your own rather than trying to top someone else. So I think it's a, it's a nice philosophy and obviously worked for you. So in order to do this, Noah, you had to do a little planning. In your case, what, five months worth Give us an idea, if you could, about how you how you planned uh, this journey. Forty-one countries, seven continents. It's a fairly tricky logistical and strategic. Uh, well, I don't want to call it a problem, but um, just planning out how to go about finding all the birders in all of these different countries and contacting them up front and saying, hey, I'm doing a big year project. Can I come sleep on your couch for a few days? And do you want to take me to your local hotspots? <laughs> That's what took the most time. And it was the key to my strategy, going birding with local people on the ground in all these places, because there's nothing that can replace that kind of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, along the way, you endured incidents with road vehicles suffering dead batteries and flat tires, and one time, both of those things happening simultaneously. You had missed flights, you had money transfers stolen, and you maintained a pace that seems almost unimaginable to most of us. In effect, getting up before dawn virtually every day for an entire year, obviously not getting uh, a lot of sleep and there was a point in your second month Noah when you developed flu-like symptoms and a fever and you were pretty down and out yet determined to go on this is so inspirational you describe how you came back from that low point and I wonder if you'd read the paragraph about it there at the bottom of page 92 sure yeah this is in uh, central Peru a couple of months into the year With my energy at its lowest ebb, one bright thought came shining through. I knew for certain that I would not quit. My main worry from the start had been the possibility of getting burned out on my favorite activity. Now my sagging spirits were soothed somewhat by the sharp realization that burning out was not going to be a problem. If I could remain enthusiastic during the worst moments, then I could be sure that the birding wouldn't get stale. My sense of purpose was still strong. I just had to believe that my body would bounce back. Really, the most frustrating part of getting sick was that it kept me from looking for birds. <laughs> and, of course, you did bounce back, and the idea that you would determine that you would not quit is really pretty amazing, too. Well, people always want to know, in connection with a record like this, uh, Noah, how, how you document your sightings. And I know that in the birding world, the honor system comes into play. But you went beyond the honor system. You counted birds, if I'm right, that someone else with you also saw, only counted those birds. So how did that work? Were there not times when you were alone and saw a new species that you wanted to count? Yeah, you're not required to photograph anything. That would be impossible anyway, because a lot of birds are too far away or they just fly by. Mm -hmm. But I did make a rule for myself that every bird would have to be seen with at least one other person, which would give me witnesses for all of these sightings. And I was always with somebody else, so pretty much every bird was seen, well, every bird was seen with another person. But also that gave me good motivation to track down some new friends and make new connections along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not good for Guinness Book of Records, though, right? They, 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 don't, uh, they, don't, they don't go for that honor system or, or, or one person 
I submitted this to the Guinness Book, and they took months to deliberate and finally replied and said, well, we don't think it's quite verifiable enough. So for that reason, they have a record now for the highest score on the app Angry Birds, but not for anything to do with real bird watching. <laughs> okay, well, we, we hope they'll, they'll catch up with reality at some point here. Well, I know you received, as you kind of suggested there, tremendous help and support from so many people around the world who helped you find birds, some amazing characters emerging in your book. Uh, there was some criticism from folks, no, who said that this wasn't the greenest of adventures, what with all the air travel and such, uh, but I believe you created kind of an, a carbon offset program, right? Tell us how you did that. Yeah, I joined the Nature Conservancy's carbon offset program, which is you pay a certain fee uh, calculated by how many miles you plan to travel. And in theory, that all goes into carbon sequestration programs. So they capture carbon from the atmosphere one way or another. And um, so it takes it back. So the theory is it's a carbon neutral year. The numbers are probably, you know, you could quibble with them here and there, but it's the idea that counts. Right. Well, here we are, Noah, in November of 2017, less than two years after the completion of your extraordinary adventure, breaking the global big year record by a margin of more than 1,700 species, and your record has already been broken by a young man from the Netherlands. What does that feel like? Is it uh, spurring you to try to regain the record, or do you have some other goals in mind at this point? <laughs> yeah, the, the very instant my big year ended, another young gentleman, a couple months younger than I am, I believe, set out and did his own round-the-world trip last year, 2016, and ended up seeing even a couple hundred more birds than I did. <laughs> so right away the record was broken. I think that's actually pretty funny. And I look forward to seeing how other people might take it in new directions in mm -hmm. coming years, which I'm sure they will. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, I think this was a once-in-a-lifetime type of trip. I'm looking forward now to spending a little more time in all of these places, going back with mm -hmm. a little more relaxation and able to study the birds in each place a little more in-depth. Well, I think it's fair to say that also he couldn't have done it without you because uh, he kind of followed in your footsteps there and certainly learned a lot from what you did. Well, yeah, if I were to do it again, I'm sure I could find more birds just learning from my own mistakes. So that's how these records go. Well, just briefly, in a little bit of time we have left into, in the introduction of your book, uh, legendary birder Ken Kaufman talks about the future of bird survival. He expresses some optimism. Do you share that with him? I do. I think it's easy to get depressed especially on a trip like this, seeing the sheer scale of habitat destruction around the world and the impacts of climate change, I became to feel that they were real, too, impacting places in real ways. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I met so many people doing inspiring things to conserve birds, and I think just the love of birds has expanded a lot in the mm -hmm. past decade or so into places that it never was before. And so I hope that inspiration can continue to spread because I think the more that people care about birds, that's a good gateway drug to caring about the whole environment as well. All right. Noah, congratulations on your amazing, wonderful book and belated congratulations on an incredible and successful quest. Thank you very much, Ray. Noah Stricker, the author of Birding Without Borders, an obsession, a quest to the biggest bird year, the bird, uh, biggest year in the world. 
in which he broke the world record for bird sightings in a single year, surpassed his own 5,000 species goal, and ultimately saw in a 12-month whirlwind adventure 6,042 species. Meanwhile, back here on Talking Birds, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Our friends at Audubon Park remind us that they're counting on us. It's the time of year when birds really need nutritious, high-energy food to help them cope with cold weather. Look for Audubon Park wild bird food and be confident that you're providing the proper nutrition for your backyard visitors. Audubon Park is family-owned and food safety certified. And for the best photos, news, alerts, and more, sign up for Audubon Park's free e-newsletter sent to your inbox once a month. Sign up at AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Now a word from Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your own backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. It's our Mystery Bird Contest, sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food for your backyard birds. It's easy to enter our contest. Just give us a call and take a guess or tell us what our mystery bird is at 781-837-4900. You're eligible if you haven't won here within the past six months. 781-837-4900. Here's the sound of a flock of our mystery birds. Our bird is a large waterfowl species that was until recently thought to be a smaller version of a very common bird that we all know. It has a black head, a small triangular bill, a long black neck with a white chin strap, a brownish back with tan-colored breast feathers, and a white undertail. Our bird feeds on mainly plant species, including grasses and sedges and grain and berries. Our prize, we have two beautiful prizes. A Droll Yankees window mount songbird feeder with a unique songbird and blueberries design and a clear view of the birds right at your window. And our bonus prize, Audubon Park seed cakes, a four-pack in four assorted flavors. Fruit and nut, woodpecker, mealworm, and wild bird food. What is our mystery bird? Tell us or take your guess because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor and find out if snowy owls will be present in big numbers here in the lower 48 in southern Canada. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Did you know that the coffee you drink can help save the birds we love? Tropical forest is disappearing. Big agriculture is replacing family farms with eco-desert sun coffee plantations. You can help by drinking Birds and Beans Coffee, the only brand in the U.S. that uses only shade-grown, organic, fair-trade, certified bird-friendly beans. Great for birds and farmers and for the earth we all share. And now Birds and Beans announces its holiday gift box, perfect for your coffee-loving friends. 12 12-ounce bags of great-tasting Birds and Beans Coffee, two bags each of wood thrush breakfast roast, American Red Start Light Roast, Scarlet Tanager French Roast, Chestnut Sided Warbler Medium Roast, Baltimore Oriole French Roast Decaf, and the newest roast, Kingbird Espresso. All ground and ready to brew, or whole bean if you like, and all for $120, a savings of more than $40. Shipping still only $9.50, any volume anywhere in the U.S. This offer ends soon, so order online now at birdsandbeans.com. That's birdsandbeans.com. 
down to the Bird Watchers General Store. Mike O'Connor awaits. Good morning, Mike. Hello, Mike. Can you hear me? Oh, now I can hear you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I forget which end of the phone to use. We had a little few technical problems here this morning. Well, last week you had big white potatoes, and this week maybe some big white birds. Big white owls, yeah, snowy no owls. owls. You know, back back um, I don't know, four or five years ago, the winter of 2013, 2014, we had a ridiculous number of snowy owls oh. kind of came down from the Arctic, invaded uh, most of the U.S. I got all the way down as far as Florida, and uh, even one bird made it to the Bahamas. Hmm. I guess he had a timeshare he wanted to use. But Hard whatever the reason, they all came down, and, and they think it's not because there's no food. I think they mm-hmm. think in the summer there's so much food that the adults produce so many more owls. It's mm-hmm. a ban a year, and then there's a lot of owls, and some of these young owls get wandering, and they all come down. And ever since then, my customers come in and say, hey, we're going to see the owls here. They think it's, it's like the re- robins returning in the spring. They think <laughs> it's going to happen every year, and it really doesn't. And everybody's been disappointed the last few years. Well, there was a... Our, um, your buddy uh, Scott Weidenthal and his uh, website, I think it's called something like uh, Project Snowstorm or something yeah, like Project that. Snowstorm, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. predicting or he's got a sense that it's going to happen again this year. I mean, we get a few every year, but right now the indications that uh, uh, might be a good year to start thinking about looking for snowy owls. I know I saw a couple on Duxbury Beach mm-hmm. a few days ago. And they've been here on the Cape, and people down as far as south as the Carolinas have been seeing them, and down Long Island, and they're popping up. Mm-hmm. So if, the, if you're one of these people that like owls, and everybody seems to like snowy owls ever since Harry Potter, <laughs> you might want to get out there and start looking in, you know, through the course of the winter. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, the places to go are small uh, local airports or open areas, because these are birds of the tundra, so you want mm-hmm. open fields, old farmland, old pastures. You know, go and they're diurnal. You can see them during the day. Yeah. So just kind of scan the horizon with your binoculars. You know, everybody says look for a white Clorox bottle, and that's what you're going to be looking for, just a white blurb. And they won't be sitting up in a tree typically. They might be sitting on the ground or a little tuft or maybe a fence post. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of the year to uh, try it again because uh, I think we're going to be seeing uh, a lot more. People around here are seeing them. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, if you get you, 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 you <laughs> if you get a chance, I would do that and, and go out and check them out. Well, I hope our friends uh, Doug and Lisa out in Iowa see some. They've been trying to find a snowy owl for about six years now. So uh, okay, we'll out. send one down to those guys. But yeah, I haven't seen those folks for a while. It's about time they come out east again. Indeed, yeah. And of course, if those snowy owls don't show up, it'll be blamed on you, I suppose. There at the store, right? <laughs> like everything else. Thank you, Mike. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Talk right? to you next week. We'll yeah, zip bye-bye. back here to our mystery bird contest trying to identify this mystery bird. There's a whole flock of them. Or a description, a large waterfowl species that was until recently thought to be a smaller version of a common bird we all know. Our bird feeds on many plant species, including grasses and sedges and grain and berries. Uh, it has a black head, a small triangular bill, a long black neck with a white chin strap. A brownish back with tan-colored breast feathers and a white undertail. What is it? Tell us definitively or take a guess at 781-837-4900. I think we have Barbara in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Good morning. Good morning, Barbara. I want you to turn your radio down there if you would, Barbara, so that'll help us out a little bit. Are you there, Barbara? Oh, Barbara is...
lifted off and heading for Rigel 9. Uh, okay, we'll have to switch over to Heidi from Mashpee, Massachusetts. Maybe we can get back to Barbara, but hello, Heidi. Yeah. Oh. Hello? Hello. Oh. Uh, hello, Heidi. This is Barbara. Oh, this is hello. Barbara. Yeah. All right. Is that a blue bunting? Yeah, uh, a blue bunting. Uh, it is not. It is no, not. No, no. But, no. Th- but thank you could, for the... Can I ask you a question? Oh, certainly. Okay, I saw you, I saw you on with uh, Fitz Weatherby on, on PBS. It was a wonderful show. But oh, I thank to you, on New Hampshire Public Television. Yes. Yeah, thank you. But I wanted to ask you, uh, we, we picked up a bird three years ago. It didn't have feathers. Hey, guess what, Barbara? I, I hate to okay. do this, but we are just about okay. out of time. Do you mind calling okay. us next week? Well, it's a it's a grackle. How long do they live? Uh, well, it depends where they are and and, and, and so on. But uh, several years anyway. But but uh, okay, because because nobody, nobody would. We, they said they didn't rescue them, so we yeah. couldn't find anybody to take him. So We've s- had three Barbara, years and- I'm so sorry. We we we. <laughs> <laughs> we okay. gotta go. Okay. Before we go, big savings on holiday at Birds and Beans Coffee. All your friends who love coffee would love to have some of this, so get some at birdsandbeans.com. Oh, I forgot. We have to give our mystery bird before we go. The identity of it is the cackling goose. The cackling goose. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.